All right, so I want to get into the word of God. Chaz, you're almost there. It's, 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 go, it's pretty good. You're almost there. So let's get into this real quick. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we're going to read there verses 3 uh, through 4. Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. And I'm going to read in the Amplified Version. And um, this is what it says. It says, For I proclaim the name and presence of the Lord. And he says, Ascribe greatness and honor to our God, the rock. His work is perfect. And then it says, For all his ways are just. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. A God of faithfulness, without iniquity or injustice, just and upright is he. You know, I was, I was studying the scriptures recently, and, you know, I kind of went down this rabbit hole. You know, I was, I was just kind of, just for my own personal gratification, I was just studying the word of God. And my eyes just fixed on this one statement, and that statement was, God is faithful. I mean, it just, it just jumped out off the page to me. And, um, and bottom line is, I know that that's a simple statement. You know, God is faithful. We all know that, right? But it just stuck out to me. So I began to just research how many times the Bible says that God is faithful. And um, I was just amazed at, first of all, how many times I found the, the, just the phrase, the Lord is faithful or God is faithful. I mean, just how many times I found it was crazy. But to fully, under, to fully appreciate the statement, we have to first understand what that statement actually means. So I want to define that for you this morning. To be faithful, it means to remain loyal and steadfast. Like a spouse should be loyal to his or her mate. Right? It also means to be true to the facts. It means to be reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to your promise. I like that. It means that you and your word can be dependent on. Amen. It means that you say what you mean and you mean what you say. <laughs> it means to be unwavering or steady and resolute or determined to fulfill your promises and to keep your word. Amen. My God. So when the Bible says that God is faithful, that's what it's saying. You know, when he says, I'm faithful. You know, this is what he's trying to say to you. He says, I can be dependent upon, I can be trusted, I can be counted on. When I, t when I say something to you, I am fully committed to bringing it to pass in your life. I know other people have let you down. I know other people have betrayed you. I know other people have told you that they're going to do something and they didn't do it. I know people have, you know, um, you know, betrayed your trust and you thought that you could count on them, but you just couldn't. But God says... I'm faithful, but I'm faithful. I am reliable. I'm trustworthy. You can depend on me. You can count on me. When I say, when I say I'll do something, I'll make sure to do it. That's what God is trying to say to you. You understand? So as we begin to go through these scriptures, what I want you to do is every time I say God is faithful, I want you to think about that. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. He can be counted on. He's loyal. He's dependable. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Right? So every time I say that, you're, are you ready? Yeah. Let's get into the scripture. Now I want you to write these down because I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. So first of all, let's start here. Second um, Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 20. It says, but as assuredly 
as God is faithful. I like that. But assuredly, as God is faithful and means what he says, our message to you is not yes and no at the same time. <laughs> you ever somebody ever been around somebody can't make their mind up? He says, my message to you is not yes and no at the same time. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but he approved to be yes and amen. Now listen to this. True and faithful, the divine yes, affirming God's promises. For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen, which means so be it, to the glory of God. So when God says something to you, it's not maybe so. It's not no. He says it is yes. And he says every word that I've ever spoke to you, I've already given it my affirming yes, which means it is definitely going to come to pass in your life. Can you say amen? amen. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, because I want to show you something. My first point here is that God is faithful to keep his word. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers in worship, as the habit of some is. But see, he put there, see, I am faithful to keep my word. See, I want to put that out there because I want you to hear something. Now, I'm going to give you one more scripture, and then I'm going to break this down. Numbers 23, verses 19 through 20. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good and fulfill it? And he says, behold, I have received this command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So I wanted to talk to you, first of all, about the fact that God is faithful to keep his word. If he says something to you, it's coming to pass. Now, it may not happen when you think it should happen. But if he said it, he said it's yes. I'm going to bring it to pass in your life. I'm going to make sure that it happens. As long as you believe me and trust me to keep my word, I'll keep it in your life. Again, I don't care what nobody else has done. So many people have told you, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the other thing. But they didn't do it. But God says, I'm not a man <laughs> that I shall lie. See, it's important for him to say that because men have reasons to lie. God doesn't. People only lie for one or two reasons. They either lie because they're afraid. They don't want to get caught. You know, they don't want to get in trouble. So they lie, right? Or because you have something that they want and they're trying to get it out of you. So God, God says, I'm not a man that I have to lie because I don't need nothing from you. You can't do nothing for me. God does everything for us. We could do nothing for him. I don't need nothing from you, and I'm not scared of you. So there's no need for me to have to lie. Those are the primary two reasons why people lie. You know, did you do that? No. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> right? Or I want something from you. So, you know, I'm a, hey, baby, I love you. <laughs> Some, most of the times they're lying. <laughs> they're trying to get a little something out of you. 
But the bottom line is, see, he says, I'm not a man. I don't have to lie. And I'm not a son of man that I have to repent. In other words, I don't have to change my mind. Nobody can make me change my mind. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. When I speak it, I'm going to make it good. And see, this is the primary reason why it's so important for you to know what, it, what has God said in his word. Because if you don't know what God has said in his word, you won't know what he has promised to do for you. So whenever I say you need to read your Bible, you know, you need to read it because you need to know what has God said? What, what, what did God say to me? You're sick in your body and you lay there sick. And the Bible says that you're healed by the stripes of our Lord Jesus. He says, I've already healed you. Now you just have to believe my word and trust it. You're broke right now. And he says, do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? That although he was rich, he became poor for your sake, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And here you are sitting around broke and, you don't, and you're just like laying in it thinking that God wants you to be that way. God don't want that for you. He wants to prosper you. Here you are laying around with no peace and you don't know that God has promised you peace in his word. So he says, I'm, I'm faithful. And what does that mean again? I am reliable. I'm trustworthy. You can depend on me. If I say that I'm going to do something for you, I'm going to do it. I don't care what nobody, I don't care what somebody else said they're going to do and didn't do. I said, I'm going to do it. And I need you to trust that. I need you to depend on my word, because if you do, then I will do it in your life. Can you say amen? So that's number one. God's word can be depended on. He's faithful to keep his word. Now, number two is this. He's faithful to keep his promise. Your word and your promise is two different things. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, listen to this. It says, God is faithful. I love that. He is reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to his promises. He can be depended on. And through him, you are called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Hebrews 6, 13 through 19, it says, For when God promised, made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. I that is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. Amen. You remember when you was a kid and you wanted to prove to somebody that what you were saying was true? Yeah. And you'd be like, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I swear to God. Oh, my mother, man. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you do stuff like that. What you were trying to do was trying to show somebody, I mean what I say. So what you do is you swear by somebody greater than you are. And so and when I say I swear to God, on, you know, they say now, on God, man. You know, like, <laughs> that's what they say now. <laughs> when we were a kid, we were like, I swear to God. Now I say, on God, man. You know, so that just means that, see, I'm, I'm swearing to God because he's greater than me. And I don't want to be in trouble with God, so I swear to him. But God said, because he could swear by no greater, there was nobody greater than him to swear by, so he swore by myself. He swore by himself. He said, I, I promise you, I swear by myself, because there is no greater than me. I love that. And he says, saying, surely blessing you, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, the Bible says concerning Abraham, he obtained the promise. And this, this is where he gets it from. For men verily swear by the greater, or they swear by someone that's greater than themselves. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. In other words, when they give their word, when they, when they, swear, when they swear to God, that's it. Okay, I know he's for real. 
I, I know he, you know, he ain't going to mess around. He ain't for real now. <laughs> Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable or unchangeable things, that is his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. So God wanted to show just how strong his commitment was to keeping his word to Abraham. So he confirmed it with an oath. He said, I swear by myself, I promise you that I'm going to do what I said that I'm going to do for you. I'm not just giving you word now. I'm not just giving you my word. Now I'm taking it to another level. So it's like me saying, you know, I'm going to pay your rent, man. You, you sure, man? You sure you're going to do that, man? On God, man, I'm going to do that. You know, now, now okay, all right, I got you. All right, yeah. I know you're telling the truth now. See God, see, God gave his word, and then he confirmed it with an oath. He promised to do something for Abraham. And see, that's what he has done for you. He has promised to keep his word to you. So God is not just faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. And, and I'll give it to you in another translation. Listen to this. And the message, it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. I love that. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Woo! Bless, bless, and bless. Says it three times there. And the Bible says, Abraham stuck it out. And see, that's the key right there. See, when God makes a promise to you, again, it may not come as fast as you think it's going to come. Abraham had to wait for a while. But because God made that promise to him, he was able to stick it out. You know, and I always say, you know, you have to you have to be in this thing for the long haul. You know, this is not a microwave gospel. This is not just, OK, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm believing God today and then I'm I'm going to get it tomorrow. No, sometimes you got to wait for it. And the Bible says, see, he stuck it out. And because he stuck it out, he got everything that was promised to him. I love it. And it goes on to say, when people make promises, they guarantee them by an appeal to some authority above them so that there is not any question that they'll make good on the promise. Amen. The authority will back them up. Amen. And he says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Amen. Woo! That's powerful. Now, let me just give you these words here. First of all, a promise, this is what a promise is. It is a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. And then an oath, because he, he, he made a promise and an oath. An oath is a sworn declaration or a deep and sincere promise regarding one's future action or behavior. I mean, see, this is how far God is willing to go to make sure that you understand how faithful and reliable he is. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to back up my word with a promise and with an oath because I want you to understand that I am putting my reputation on the line. I'm putting my reputation. That's what God is saying. I'm putting my rep on the line. That I'm going to do for you what I said I'm going to do. All I need you to do is believe it. Amen. That's it. See everybody, see, everybody has their part to play. 
God said, I'm going to bring it to pass. But he's saying that I need you to believe it. I need you. I don't care what is going on in your life. I don't care what it looks like. Abraham, think about it. Abraham is at a point in his life where he's 100 years old. It is impossible for him to have kids. It's not just something that, you know, he's at a point in his life where there is no way that what God is saying can in the natural come to pass. The only way it can happen is if God does some kind of divine intervention. Sarah can never have children. (laughs) And Abraham is at a point where he can't have children. And yet at that point in his life, he still has to believe God and trust him that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And because he was willing to do that, God brought it to pass. The Bible says he quickened his body or he brought his body back to life, him and Sarah's. So much so that after Sarah, now think about this. (laughs) After Sarah dies, right, Abraham gets married again to a woman named Keturah. And he has, I believe, at least six other children with her. And at this point, he's like 130-something years old. (laughs) He's still having kids. I mean, that's how, that's how much God brought his dead body back to life. And that was only because he believed and trusted in the promise of God. Can you say amen? That's number two. You guys getting something out of this? Listen to this. God is faithful to protect you from evil men and from the evil one which is, of course, the devil. In 2 Thessalonians, it says, this is good. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, pray continually for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be, and be honored. And he says, just as it is with you. And pray that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not everyone has the faith. Right? He says, we, we need to be rescued from these people that are trying to take... Now, they were at a point in history where, I mean, they were being persecuted for the faith. Like, this is not like, you know, we don't believe in what you're saying. No, we're talking about releasing dogs on you. We're talking about burning people at the stake. We're talking about, like, for preaching the name of Jesus. We're not talking, we're talking about being thrown in lion's dens. We're not talking about, you know, people getting a little upset because somebody ain't speak to them in church today. We're not talking about that. We're talking about... I'm talking about being persecuted for the name of Jesus. He says, you know, you got to pray for us that, you know, we'll be rescued from these perverse and evil men. For not everyone has the faith. But listen to this. But the Lord is faithful. I love that. And he will strengthen you, setting you on a firm foundation. And listen to this. And will protect and guard you from the evil one. See, God is faithful to protect you from all of the evil that the devil is trying to do to you and other people, if you believe him to be. Now, I want to read this to you. I'm going to start this off by saying this. The word but, right? I'm not talking about somebody's but, but the word but. (laughs) The word but has has the power to undo every word or thought that was previously mentioned. You ready for this? That little word, against most people, it really just, it, it, it takes most people out. 
because that, that word is usually used to tell you why something can't be done. Right? For example, I know that going back to school will put me in a position to be more successful in life, but I have too much going on right now. Right? See, it usually is used to undo something that would be positive in your life. You know? And I always say, you know, too, too many people, they got a big butt. You can't say that to a woman. Got to be careful. <laughs> but they got a big butt, you know? Every time, every time you say, well, you know, you should do it. Yeah, I know, but. I would do that, but. You know? I know that I would be more successful if I did that, but. Seeing as you're usually used to undo something that would normally be positive in somebody's life. And see, a positive statement can be annihilated with the word but. That's true. And that's how most people stop themselves from doing things that would be great for them. With that being said, there's a proper way to use the word but. You ready? And I'm going to teach you how to do it today. From now on, going forward, the only but that should come out of your mouth is the but that comes before God. For example, in this scripture, they were talking about the troubles that they were facing and that they needed to be rescued from perverse and evil men. But instead of just ending the statement there, we're talking about their troubles, they concluded the statement with, but the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you and guard you from the evil one. And see, I was thinking about this. See, I don't like when people complain. It, it irritates me. It's something that just does something to me when people start complaining. Because I know how faithful God is. And I'm like, you know, I don't want, stop, stop complaining all the time. You know, but God said this to me lately. He said, I don't mind hearing about the things you're going through as long as you don't end there. Right? See, if, if you seal it with but God, then everything's all right. Neg never end a negative statement on a bad note. Always end a negative statement with but God. And listen to this. If, you're, if, you, if that's your seal, see, that's your seal, that although all hell is breaking loose in your life, you know that God is going to deliver you and see you through it. Can you say amen? amen? But God is the statement that proves that you know that God is faithful and that he will strengthen you, setting you on a firm foundation, and he's going to protect you from the evil one. Let me give you a few examples of that. In Jeremiah 20, verses 10 through 11, I like this. He says, this is the prophet Jeremiah. Now, he's prophesying at a time when people don't want to hear from God. And he says, for I've heard the whispering and defaming words of many. See, all these people are talking about me. I've heard them. I heard all these people talking about me. And he says, terrors on every side. Denounce him or public, publicly declare him to be wrong. And he says, they're saying, let us denounce him. All my familiar and trusted friends, those who are watching for me to fall. Listen to this. This is what he's talking about, the climate he's living in. He says his friends and his family are saying, perhaps he will be persuaded and deceived. Then we will overcome him and take our revenge on him. Now, what if I stop right there? What if I just stop that, 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 that sentence right there? You got all these people. They're talking about me. You know, they're talking about how they're going to take me out. They're talking about how I'm going to fail, how I'm going to fall. 
How they're going to denounce me? How they're going to publicly embarrass me in front of everybody? They're talking about all these things. You know, what if I just stop right there? See, that's what most people do. They say, oh, so-and-so's talking about me. They're doing this. They're doing that. You know, and they end right there. Jeremiah doesn't stop there. He said, but the Lord is with me. I like that. All of this stuff is, I'm not, I'm not denying that things are happening. All kinds of hell is breaking loose in my life, right? People are coming against me, but the Lord is with me. And he says, as a dread champion, in other words, he's one to be greatly feared. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not overcome me. They will completely be shamed, for they have not acted wisely and have failed in their schemes. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. Woo! Yeah, this stuff is going on. But the Lord is with me. See, 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 if, 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 I would be in trouble if the Lord wasn't with me. But the Lord is with me. So because of that, I don't have to worry about what anybody's doing, what anybody's saying, what anybody's trying to do against me, whatever kind of plots and schemes that they have prepared for me. I don't got to worry about that because the Lord is with me. See, I like that. But the Lord is with me. And because the Lord is with me, they're going to fail in all of their plots and schemes against me. The the, the pit that they dug for me, they're going to fall in it to themselves. See that, see, that's, see, that word changes everything. Amen. But the Lord. Amen. You know, I don't care what anybody's trying to do. They can try it all they want, but the Lord is with me. So I ain't worrying about it. Let me give you one more. You ready? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Listen to this. Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, at my first trial, no one supported me. <laughs> How many of you feel like nobody supports you? You know, nobody's helping me. Nobody's there with me. I'm all alone. Right? He says, at my first trial, no one supported me. Nobody. Nobody stood with me, he says. (laughs) They all deserted me. This is the Apostle Paul. We're not talking about, you know, somebody on the corner. We're talking about the Apostle Paul here. He says, you know, no one supported me. No one stood with me. And they all deserted me. Now, what if I ended there? What if I just stopped right there? Everybody be, oh, poor Apostle Paul. He has no help. Nobody loves him. Nobody's helping him. He's all by himself. And see, but that's what most people do. At my first trial, no one supported me. Nobody stood with me. They all deserted me. And this is what he first, he first, he does this. I love it. May it not be counted against them by God. They're doing me wrong, you know, nobody, I mean, nobody, they all abandoned me. But may God not lay this to their charge. See, that's the right heart to have. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me and empowered me so that through me the gospel might be fully proclaimed and that all the Gentiles may hear it. See, see, he didn't end it there. Yeah, nobody stood with me. Nobody supported me. Everybody abandoned me. But guess who didn't, who, guess who didn't abandon me? The Lord stood by me. When I was at my trial, he said, I'm standing on trial, being persecuted for the faith. Nobody who said they was going to be with me were with me. I was all alone, up there being persecuted by the enemy. 
But thank God the Lord stood by me. Amen. See, you thought you were standing there by yourself, but the Lord stood by you. Amen. See, the Lord didn't leave you because he says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Amen. Right? I'll never abandon you. you. You'll never be left alone. You, you may feel like, alone, like you're alone because you don't have nobody in the physical there. But he says, but I'm there to make sure that I strengthen you and to make sure that I protect you and to make sure that I help you. Right? Everybody's abandoning me. Nobody wants to be with me. Everybody treats me. But the Lord is with me. See, don't, don't end it there. Don't, don't stop there. Keep going. But the Lord is with me. He stood by me. He made sure that I wasn't left alone. I thought I was all by myself until I noticed, no, uh-uh, the God is with me. You guys getting something out of this? You guys looking at me like I'm from outer space or something like that. <laughs> the Lord stood by me. I love that. I love that. I love that. Let me keep going because if, if, I, if I get caught up, I'm going to mess up my message. All right. That's number three. Number four, I want you to know that God is faithful to keep you from temptation. Amen. If you want to be kept. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 13. This is, this is so good. And this is something, I mean, I hope you guys are taking notes. Amplified version. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience. Nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. So in other words, he's saying there's no temptation that you'll ever go through that is beyond the human experience. Or so, you know, crazy that you just cannot overcome it. Why? But God is faithful. See, God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can say no to. He'll never put you in a position where you just, you cannot say no to it. He'll never put you in, you'll never be in a position like that. You're walking with God, he'll never allow you to be in a position where you just can't say no. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide the way out as well. He'll always give you a way to escape it. He'll always see, he'll always put, he'll always give you an opportunity to leave that situation. If you walk into it, it's because you decided to do it. It's not because you could not say no to it. That it was impossible for you to get out of. God will always make sure that there's a way for you to escape it. And he says, he'll always make sure to provide a way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome the temptation with joy. Let me give you a couple more things here. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. This is what Jesus said. He said, watch, be cautious, be alert, and pray, lest you enter into temptation or you be enticed to sin. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he says to you, he says, look, if you will remain watchful and prayerful, he says, you will not have to enter into temptation. You cannot pray to not be tempted. We'll all be tempted. Jesus was tempted. And at all points, the Bible says, yet without sin. He, didn't, he never yielded to the temptation, but he was tempted. 
So although you're tempted by it, if you remain watchful and prayerful, you won't have to enter into it. I'm going to give you one more, and then we'll break this down. Proverbs 22, verse 3. The Bible says, A prudent man foresees the evil, and he hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. See, a prudent man, see, they, they see, oh, I see evil down there. I have a friend that when, um, when we were young, <laughs> we were crazy, man, you know. And me and my best friend from youth, you know, we did all kinds of crazy things, stealing cars, stuff like that, you know. And um, we would do all these crazy things. Anyway, I almost went to jail for like 13 years for, you know, having a gun charge. Bottom line is when I came out, I, made, I remember I made a promise to God, you know, because I knew God, but I just was doing my thing. And I made a promise to God. I said, if you get me out of this, I'm done, right? I'm going to stop selling drugs. I'm going to stop messing around. I'm done, right? So I remember, i never forget, I'm in school. I'm still selling drugs, right? I'm in school. I'm selling weed. And I'm, in, and I'm sitting in my, my dorm room. This is the first time I really could say I've ever really heard God speak to me. And I hear him say to me, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I hear him say to me, I thought you said if I got you out of this, you would stop selling drugs. I, I, was, I mean, my, my mind was blown. And I remember I called everybody I knew that was smoking weed at the time. I said, come over here. <laughs> and I had, a, I had a, you know, this back, you know, and I had all of these, you know, 20 bags in there, but I was selling them for dimes. So I, they were really thick, right? I had all these bags. And I had me like $300 worth of stuff left on me, right? And so they came by, and I said, look, man, I said, give me $20. <laughs> they looked at me like, what? You know, so they gave me $20. I gave them the whole thing, right? And that was it. I was done. So I made a decision at that point. I'm done with selling. I'm done with messing around. I'm finished with that. I wasn't serving God yet, but I at least made good on that promise. Now, I'm telling you this story for a reason. Now, I, I left doing that. I have a, my best friend. He can never get away. Every time he spent most of his adult life in prison, and he would, he would be sitting on the porch, and because we lived next door to each other, he would sit on the porch, and I would see him, his, the, fr the friends he used to hang with, come and sit on the porch with him. And he's sitting out there, they're smoking, stuff like that, drinking, doing whatever, you know? And, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, he's gonna be in trouble again, because he can't stay away from those guys. He, wasn't, he didn't foresee the evil. See, because a prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself. See, I stopped hanging around those guys because I knew that that was going to lead me into trouble. But he couldn't stop doing that. Oh, we just hanging out, you know. Next thing I know, I'm like, where's he at? Prison again. Little by little, he started getting involved again. Next thing I know, he's locked up again. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. See, it was fully in his power to be able to say, I'm done. I can't hang around with y'all like that no more. That was in his power. He made a decision that he was going to hang out with them. You know, the Bible says evil communication corrupts your good manners. So if you start hanging around evil too long, it'll start corrupting your manners, and you'll start doing that stuff. And that's why you can't hang around stuff that you used to be into and, and avoid doing it. If it's, like, it's like, you know, when Pookie went back to the crack house. <laughs> See? And Pookie was the watchman. You know, he was in New Jack, New Jack City. He was the watchman. He was all right. You know? As soon as they put him in there with that crack, 
He in there, you know, he's all right for a little while. You know, he's, he's bottling up the crack, you know. Next thing you know, you see Pookie smoking. <laughs> you know, he said, it kept calling me, man. You know, like, that stuff was calling. You know, so you got to be careful. You can't be around stuff that calls you. You can't, you can't be around stuff that's trying to pull you to doing stuff that you used to do. You got to get away from that stuff. Again, a prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself. He don't walk on and continue to, and continue to trap himself. And see, that's why Jesus says, watch, be watchful, be cautious, be alert. You have to be, see, you know, when you're from the street, you know how to be alert. You know what I'm saying? When you're from the street, you understand. You know, I used to, uh, I used to feel a certain way about my cousin because he wasn't a street guy, right? So I was like, he's going to be in trouble, man, because he, he don't know how to, how to conduct himself in the street. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you can't look like you're a tourist. You can't look like you ain't from around here. <laughs> you can't do that stuff. You start looking like that, people want to take advantage of you, right? You, you look. You don't put your head down. You look, but don't look too long. <laughs> There's like a time period. You know, it's like a sweet spot. Where you look and you let them know, yeah, yeah, I ain't, you know. But now I ain't trying to start now neither. We good, you know. <laughs> so it's like, it's a sweet spot. And if you put your head down, you know, they know that you, they're going to take advantage of you. And if you look too long, somebody's going to say something to you. So you got to learn how to conduct yourself when you're in the street. And Jesus says, you, in the spirit, you need to watch, be cautious, be alert. Be aware of your surroundings. Know what's going on. If you don't do that, the devil's going to trap you. You got to watch and you got to pray. And if you do those things, you won't enter into temptation. When you start being foolish, oh, it'll be okay. Oh, I'm just hanging out with so-and-so. It's all right. You know, and you're not watchful and prayerful, the devil's going to trap you. But Jesus, but, but Jesus says, if you watch and pray, you won't enter into temptation. And God says, I will never put you in a position or allow you. God will never put you in a position, but he says, I won't even allow you to be put in a position where you can't say no. If you decide to do it, it's because you decided to do it. It ain't nobody's fault. It ain't God's fault. The Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man. <laughs> so if you walk into it, you made a decision, I'm doing this. But I want you to know, God is faithful. Can you say amen? amen. Let me, I got to move on, man. But if you do fall, if you do mess up, God is faithful to have mercy on you and forgive you for your sins. In 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10, it says, If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's nobody can say, well, I don't sin. I don't do nothing wrong. You know, nobody can do that. If we freely admit that we have sinned and we confess our sins, listen to this. He is faithful and he is just, true to his own nature and promises, and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why I always tell people, if you mess up, if you sin, if you fall, don't plead your case. Just plead guilty and plead the blood. That's it. Stop trying to say why you did it, you know. 
Well, you only did it because so-and-so. Don't stop doing all that. Just freely admit that you're wrong. Amen. Freely admit that you messed up. If you'll confess your sins and not try to tell God why you sinned and try to make an excuse for it, just confess your sins. He is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you do mess up, nobody's, gonna, nobody's perfect but Jesus. If you do mess up, just make sure that you don't lay in it. You know what I'm saying? Don't lay there in it. Confess your sins. Get it right with God. He'll forgive you. He'll have mercy on you. And you can go forward with him. Can you say amen? You got, I'm, I'm moving through this, trying, trying to get through it as fast as I can because I'm trying to get to something. This is my number six. You guys ready? God is faithful to fulfill a call he has on your life. I was thinking about this recently. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things. Make you pure and whole and undamaged. Consecrated to him. Set apart for his purpose. And he says, And may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete and be bound blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I wanted to get you. Faithful and absolutely trustworthy is he who is calling you to himself. And he will do it. He will fulfill his call by making you holy, guarding you, watching over you, and protecting you as his own. Now, I want to get into this for a second. I'm going to read it right from my notes because I want, to, I want to make sure that you get this. God is faithful to fulfill a call he has on your life. And I want you to know, everybody sitting here right now, everybody, did you know that God has a call in your life to do something great? Everybody here right now. Amen. I don't care who you think you are in terms of, well, I'm nobody. I don't care about none of that. God has a call on your life Amen. to do something great. Did you know that? Amen. Okay. I want to also add this. He's faithful to fulfill that call that he has on his life, on your life. Now, that is God's responsibility. This is what I wanted to get to. We have a responsibility as well. You know what our responsibility is? To answer the call. And, you know, I was thinking about this, and I told somebody this. I said, you know, have you ever, somebody ever called you and you decided, I'm not picking that up? I'm not answering that. I don't want to speak to for whatever reason, right? That's like what God's doing to you. He's calling you. He's trying to, he's calling you. I got something great for you. And he's calling you. But most people, they don't answer the call. They send it to voicemail. They let it keep ringing, you know. They reject it, you know. They don't answer the call. And, and because they don't answer the call, they never do that great thing that God had prepared for them. But if you answer the call, the Bible says that he is faithful to make sure that he fulfills that call in your life. He'll make sure that what he has created you to do. Do you know, all know that you are created? for a purpose. Everything that has ever been created was created for a purpose. You know those chairs right there? They were created for a purpose. If you sat in that chair and it fell, and you fell on the ground when you sat in it, that chair is not completing its purpose. And see, all of you here have a purpose. And you have a call on your life. And he's saying that 
I have, a, I, I have something great for you to do. I don't care what people have told you in life, that you are nothing, you're nobody, you'll never be anything, you'll never make. I don't care what anybody has ever told you. God says, I have a call that's on your life. And that call is to do something great. And he says, if you'll answer the call, all you got to do is answer it. If you'll answer the call, I will do that great thing in your life. I'll fulfill it. I'll make sure that I bring that thing to pass. But you got to be willing to answer the call. See, I know I've had a call in my life since I was 16 years old. But I didn't, I didn't want to answer the call. I wanted to mess around with women. <laughs> you know, I wanted to drink. I wanted to party. I wanted to do my thing. I didn't want to answer the call. And it took me years before I made a decision to answer the call. And if I, if I say anything, if I ever told anybody anything, it was that if I have a regret, is that I didn't answer it sooner. Because I don't like to say I have regrets. But if I have any regret, it's that I didn't answer the call sooner. I messed around, and I wasted time. I could be so much further in life. And God has been good to me, good to my wife. But we could be so much further in life had, we, had I answered the call sooner. So I say that to say, God is calling you. All you got to do is answer the call. Can you say amen? amen? Now, this is what I want to get to. I may have to do this in another message. I mean, this may have to be two messages. Whew. All right. It's 12:14. I'm trying to think of, should I really dive into this now? Because I know that it's, this is a lot. This is a big one. All right. Let's get started. God is faithful to keep his covenant. Now, I know I'm going to have to explain some stuff, and I'm going to do that. You guys ready? This is the rabbit hole I've been, I was, I was, I've been uh, digging down, you know, just getting into all this God is faithful stuff, you know. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. It says, therefore, know without any doubt and understand that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God. Yeah, see, there it is again. Who is keeping his covenant and his steadfast loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, get down to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. So we see that God is faithful to keep his covenant. And I'm going to explain what all this means in a minute. In Hebrews 8, verse 6, it says, but as, but as it is, Christ has acquired a ministry which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry. For he is the mediator of a better covenant, uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rests on better promises. So let me, let me break this down for you. Covenant, right? God is faithful to keep his covenant. Now, I told you that God is faithful to keep his word. And I'm also telling you now that God is able or faithful to keep his covenant to his people. But what does that mean? Right now, I'm going to explain to you what a covenant is so that you can actually understand what it means. Now, the word covenant means a formal legal con agreement or a contract or promise in writing between two or more individuals. That's what a covenant is, all right? Each covenant established the basis of a relationship, conditions for that relationship, promises and conditions of the relationship, and consequences 
if those conditions were not met. Right? So it's, a, it's an agreement between two or more individuals. It's a covenant. In the Bible, we have primarily the Old Covenant, right, or Testament, and the New Covenant or Testament, right? The Old Covenant was broken by the Israelites, not by God. So God created a new covenant through Jesus Christ that also includes us as Gentile believers, right? But the old and new covenants were both what are considered blood covenants. Now, the blood covenant was the strongest covenant or the most legally binding contract known at that time. Now, I'm going to give you a little breakdown of what a blood covenant is because we are in a blood covenant with God. I'm going to break it down. Jeremiah verses 34 uh, chapter 34, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to close. And this is what he says. The men who have violated my covenant, who have not kept the terms of the solemn pledge which they made before me, when they split the sacrificial calf in half, and then afterwards walked between its separated pieces, sealing their pledge to me by placing a curse on themselves should they violate the covenant, those men... I will make like the calf. It goes on to say, the princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the high officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf, I will give into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. And like the body of the calf, their dead bodies will be food for the birds of the sky and beasts of the earth. Now, let's break down what this means. Now, blood covenant, right? Now, let's say this is the best, word I re- the best way I've ever heard it explained. Let's say we have two um, tribes. We have the Williams tribe, right, and we have the Berg tribe, right? Now, the Williams tribe, they are farmers. They're able to grow their own food, right? They're able to provide for themselves and stuff like that, but they can't fight. So every time they grow food, and they produce food, some other tribe comes in and takes all their food from them, beats them up and takes the food, right? So now they have a problem, right? Now the Berg tribe, they're warriors. They can fight, right? But they're not, they're not uh, you know, farmers, so they can't grow food. So they're starving to death. So now they have a problem. So now the Williams tribe and the Berg tribe, they, they come together, they say, look, man, you know, Let's make a covenant. Let's make an agreement. Let's make a formal contract, right? And when we do this, the Williams family says, as long as I'm alive, you'll never be hungry. I'll always provide food for you. Our food is your food, right? You'll never be hungry again. And then the bird tribe says, you know what? As long as I'm alive, nobody will ever take you in battle because we'll fight on your behalf, right? And so to seal that agreement, they cut a calf in half. And they let, they let the blood run in between it because it's a blood covenant. And they begin to walk through the blood of that animal and they begin to recite the terms of the covenant, right? I promise to do X, Y, and Z. I promise, I promise, right? They, they're walking through this blood, right? And then what they do is they slit their wrists, and then they do, like, and they mingle their blood with one another, right? And then there's some other things going on. They exchange coats, 
you know, they exchange different things, right? That, and essentially what's happening is they are merging themselves together into one family. So now it's no longer the Williams family, it's no longer the Berg family, it's the Williamsburg family. And they become one, and you know, the Williams family, they're cooking all the food, the Berg family is doing all the fighting, and now they have a covenant to one another. Now this is the end of that. When they're walking through that blood, essentially what they're saying is that, may God do this to me if I ever break the terms of this covenant. May he separate, and that's why you, when I read that to you, he says, I read that part to you where it says, when they split the sacrificial calf in half, and then afterwards walked between its separated pieces, sealing their pledge to me by placing a curse on themselves, should they violate the covenant, those men I will make like the calf. Yeah. See, see that's, that, that's, that's it explained, right? That's probably the, the, the only place I've ever really seen in the Bible where it's explained like that. But that's what they were doing, essentially. That's the kind of covenant that we have with God. And that's why God is so faithful to his promise, because he's saying, if I, if I break my word to you, I, will, I, will, I have to be like that calf. And you know God can't die. So he says, that's why he says, my word is true. I am going to fulfill my word in your life. My promise is true. I put my, I, see, I, that when I said he put his reputation on the line, I put my reputation on the line. I am willing to make myself like one of those, one of those calves that's cut in half should I break my covenant to you. And see, God has never broke his covenant. See, the Israelites broke the covenant. God never broke the agreement. And see, that's what we have now. And that's why the Bible says that our covenant is established on better promises. See, when I, when I talked about merging of families, see now, see you who had nothing to do with God are now in the family of God. Right? All of us, none of us had anything to do with God at one time. But when we got saved, he brought us into his family. He says, now you're my son. You're my daughter. You're a part of the royal family. Our citizenship is no longer here. That's why we're in this world, but not of it. He says, we are different. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Right? We are citizens of heaven, not just American citizens. Amen. And he says, I brought you into my family. I've made you, I've made you a king and a queen. Amen. You know what I'm saying? I have, I have made you royalty Amen. who were once nobody and nothing. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. See, we, we, are, we are inseparable now Amen. because we have accepted the covenant. Right? We, and Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. The lamb that was slain. <laughs> he is the arbitrator of the covenant. <laughs> so I want you to see, I, I, I put that out there to say, I want you to know how strong the word of God is to you. How powerful it is. And how the reason why he's so faithful, because he says, I'm going to keep my covenant. And see, he did it in a way so that they would understand it. My final thing, and I'm going to close. I'm going to give you the benefits of trusting the God who is a faithful God. You ready? Yeah. And I'm going to close. Chaz, you can get on that piano. I'm ready. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. 
It says, blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. Listen to this. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes. But its leaves will be green and moist. (laughs) And it will not... He will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. See, when you become somebody that trusts in the reliability and faithfulness of God, God says, even if there's a drought going on, your leaves will still be green and moist. (laughs) You will still be nourished. You'll still be fruitful. I don't care what's happening to everybody else. You're mine, and I'm going to take care of you. See, we've seen some of that during this pandemic. I know that I know a lot of people that went through some stuff. But if I tell tell you the truth, I had the most, the two probably most successful years that I've ever had in my life. I mean, financially, ministerially, I mean, all kinds of ways. God blessed me like crazy. And he told me in the beginning, he said, they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And he says, although a thousand may fall by your side, 10,000 by your right hand, it will not come near you. If you remain in the secret place, I'll take care of you. And although all hell is breaking loose out there, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that you're good to go. See, that, that's the promise for those that will depend on the faithfulness and reliability of the God they serve. Not walking in fear. Not being in doubt, not worrying about every little thing. Trusting God that he's going to keep his word because he said it. If you trust God to keep his word, he'll do it for you. You you have to trust in the reliability of the word of God. See, See, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to worry, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? All that. Stop worrying about all that stuff. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and stop leaning to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure everything out. If you stop doing it, he says, I, I, I'll make sure that it comes about. Very rarely have I ever figured out anything that God was going to do. If ever. <laughs> I have never thought it through and said, yeah, this is how God going to do it. And he did it that way. Never. <laughs> because God will always blow your mind. He'll always use somebody that you would have never thought he would use. He'll send somebody to help you be like, I never thought that person would, would, would do something for me. Because God wants you to know it's not them, it's me. So I want you all to know today, as I get ready to close, the God that we serve is a faithful God. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. You can count on him. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he's spoken, he's going to make it good in your life. I'm telling you right now, our God is a faithful God. Stop worrying about everything that's going on in your life and start just simply trusting the God you serve. And he says, if you begin to trust me and my faithfulness, I'm going to make sure that everything I said to you, I'm going to bring it to pass. Can you say amen? Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord Jesus. We're going to close right here. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we just praise you. We bless and we worship you. 
we magnify and we adore you. Father, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, that your word is true, that you can be counted on. So many people have broken their words to us. So many people have betrayed us. So many people have made us stop trusting others' words because of how much they've broken their word. But we are so grateful that you are not a man. You don't have to lie. And you're not the son of man that you have to repent. You don't have to change your mind and nobody can make you do it. If you said it, you will do it. If you spoke it, you will make it good. We don't have to worry about it. It may not happen when we think it should happen. But as long as we trust you, it most definitely will happen. It is not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. And Father, we just want to say thank you today for being truthful to your word. We thank you for being trustworthy. We thank you for being a faithful God. A God that will never let us down. A God that will never betray us. A God that will never turn his back on us and walk away from us. A God that will never lie to us. But your word and your promises are yes and they are amen. And Father, today we just want to say thank you. We bless you. We give you all the glory. We give you praise and we give you honor. And I pray, Father, for your people today. Give them the grace to know, to recognize, to realize that you are a faithful God, that you are trustworthy. Grant us the grace to truly believe that. Not just in our minds, but in our hearts. Let us believe that you are going to bring every single word that you have ever spoken to us to pass. And Father Ford, we just want to say thank you. We bless you. We give you the praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can give God a praise. You can give God a praise. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Now listen, if you're here today, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you want to do that today, or if you're backslidden, you know you are, and you just want to get it right with God again, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to be brought into the family of God. Like I said, when, when that covenant was made, <laughs> when we accept it, we are brought into the family of God, and we become his sons and his daughters. Now, if you've never done that before and you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask you to stay on your feet. We're not going to embarrass you. Just going to pray for you. One simple prayer. If you're watching online, you can stand wherever you are and we'll just pray it together. Amen. Bless you, young man. And we're all going to pray together as a family. Let's do this. You ready? I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.